Hello everybody and welcome back to Thematic Commander. This week we're going to be going over a Zendikar themed list with Tazri, Beacon of Unity. Alright, and hello and welcome everybody. I'm glad you're back with me. Uh, sorry that it took me a little bit to get this next one out. This week we're going to be doing a themed uh, Tazari Beacon of Unity. I'm going to do the sections a little bit different this week. We're going to be doing a little bit of role playing. I just want to see kind of how it works. Uh, if you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, that's okay. You can always just message me and tell me. But I think for right now, what I'm going to be doing is I'm probably going to be doing every time a new set comes out, I'll put together a themed deck around that set. So this one, like I said, Tazari Beacon of Unity, it's going to be the party mechanic theme with a little bit of allies in between. So with that, let's get on to the first section. You're a new adventurer looking for your first assignment. You've heard rumors of new things happening around the world, the royal acting in odd ways, giant structures coming up from the sea and from marshes all around the world. You've heard the new expeditionary houses are all formed inside of Seagate under the lead of General Tazari. You find your way to Seagate to see if you could join up with a new party going out to adventure and explore, looking for riches, fame, or just a better way to live life on Zendikar. You were told by one of the new guards that General Tazari wants all new explorers to meet up with one of the lead librarians in the newly formed Seagate Library to learn more about the new perils that are facing Zendikar and what to expect from the world. You enter the new library and see an old man hunched over a pile of books and papers, duteously writing and making comments to himself. You approach. The Lorgave Chronicles, the Tularian community, Aether Hub, yes, yes, okay, Magic Arcanum, yes, yes. Who's that? Who's there? Oh, my new apprentice, good, good. Come here, come here. I need you to hold some of these for me while I go around the bookshelves. Yes, here you go. Now don't drop any of those, they're very expensive, very new. Ever since those dreadful Eldrazi came through and tore down my beautiful library, everything had to be rewritten. Here now, let me look at this one. Mm. Ah, the Chronicles of the Vorthos. This is a very important one. What What do you mean? You're not my new apprentice. Oh, an adventurer, are you? Oh, that's great, isn't it? You're going to go out and find more books for me, huh? Maybe I'll have to hire you one day. No. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I heard something about that. All the new recruits have to come to us. All right, well, what do you need to know? The history of the world? What brand new things are coming? Or just like all of history, everything is basically cyclical. These new buildings, these new skyclaves coming out from underneath the ground. They're nothing new. They're actually very old. Well, let's start from the beginning. Cozy. Ulat, no, that has nothing to do with this. Where do you say you come from? You're not one of those pilgrims, are you? Well, if you were, you could always tell me. I'd love to learn more about the, the workings of your cult. No, I'm talking much later than the beings that were trapped in this world. Somewhere around 7,000 years ago, when the world was ruled by the Skyclaves and by the ancient core, whose main capital cities roamed throughout each of the seven continents, dominating all other life that was on this world. The ancient core empire eventually overreached and was taken down by either the plain or by the people. 
but something has set them off recently. These new skyclaves are starting to reemerge. Locked within these skyclaves are ancient tomes, treasures, and knowledge not seen in this world for 7,000 years. Each of these skyclaves held thousands of ancient cores, skilled lithomancers, and highly advanced technologies. The most intact skyclave is Emeria, the Sky Ruin. So with the end of one era started another, these beings that we know as walkers from the outer worlds decided that the best idea and the safest thing for the rest of the multiverse was to keep these giant beasts, the Eldrazi, here, trapping them with the Hedron Network. I'm sure your home was built on one of these giant structures, but what it really was was a prison to keep these abominations trapped here, channeling our ley lines of magic. But then there was always Nahiri here to protect us. When the Eldrazi started to wake up about a thousand years ago, Nahiri was here to bring them back into the prison. One of the most skilled lithomancers I've ever seen. But then one day, she disappeared. And that's when the Eldrazi started to awaken. Realizing the only way to defeat the Eldrazi was to ally together with all the races of the world and finally hold their ground. Some of these walkers came through and were finally able to defeat the Eldrazi at Seagate. Thinking that they could re-imprison them with the Hedrons and that plan failing, they took it upon themselves to vanquish our world of the massive monstrosities. The world is slowly starting to rebuild itself, as it always will. And with further research, the royal was supposed to have also disappeared. But all of a sudden, it's still here, and it's still changing the landscape as we go through. Once the Eldrazi were destroyed, we could go about rebuilding. With the help of General Tazri and Lavinia, we were able to finally develop a plan to rebuild Seagate and start this world anew. Now do have our protector back. Nahiri has finally come back to us after all these centuries to protect us, helped us rebuild and finance the rebuilding of Seagate, as well as hiring some of the expeditionary houses to explore these new skyclaves. Maybe you'll be able to join with one of them and do some of the good work for Nahiri. All right, well, that's enough. If you want more information, I'm sure you'll gather it along your way around campfires telling each other stories. And if you're ever really interested, you could always come back. All right, now off to the houses. Before all the good parties are taken up, I'm sure they'll have a need for someone of your talents. Having finally been done with the library, you make your way to the expeditionary houses to hopefully join up with a newly formed expeditionary houses located in Seagate. Hoping you're not too late to find a party and join in your next exploration of this new world. Hey you! Excuse me, excuse me. Could you move out of the way for Ula's sake? God. Yes, you! I'm talking to you! Are you looking to join into a party? I still need to find an entire group. What's your class? Okay, good. Alright, so we, we can line up at the very least. Here, let me show you where the ledgers are so that we can look through the rest of the group together and see who we can find. Oh, you're pretty new to adventuring? Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. It does have some information that we can go through. To start off everything, there's the leader of Seagate right now. Tazari, Beacon of Unity. Four and a white. Legendary creature, human, warrior. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Has the activated ability. Hybrid two mana or a blue. Hybrid two mana black. Same with red and same with green. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal up to two clerics, rogues, warriors, wizards, and or ally cards. From among them, put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, and she is a 4-6. Let's go over some of the places that we'll probably end up being sent to. 
and kind of familiarize ourselves with some of the adventures we might be going on. So let's first go over some of the places we're going to be exploring and how much it's going to cost us to get there. Note to the listener, we're going to be going over the deck list now. We're going to be doing each of the mana costs. So two in a red. Or we're going to be going over each of the mana costs. If they're instant or sorceries, if they have any special abilities. Um, And I might try to do it a little themed, but for the most part, I'm going to just read off what the cards do and how they might help us. Valakut Awakening. It's a modal card, so you can choose either to cast it for two and a red, instant, put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards, plus one. It's an instant. And then it flips into a land called Valakut Stoneforged. It's a land, comes into play tapped, and then it taps to add a red. Or we could find ourselves imbued with Turn Timber Symbiosis. Four, green, 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 sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. If that card has converted mana cost three or less, it enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And then its modal flips to Turn Timber, Serpine Woods. It enters the battlefield. As it enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped, but it taps to add a green. Or sometimes we'll just end up staying at Seagate and helping with the restoration. Seagate's Restoration. Four blue, 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 sorcery. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand, plus one. You may have no, you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. And then it flips into Seagate Reborn. Same effect as Turn Timber Symbiosis, uh, but it taps out of blue. I've heard a lot of adventurers having real problem in Undo with Undo Inversions. Six white, white, sorcery. Destroy all non-land permanents. And then it flips to Undo Sky Ruin, enters the battlefield tap, taps to add a white. I've seen a lot more vampires joining the expeditionary guilds. And to be honest, I'm not too upset about it. They're really handy to have at your back. They do some pretty amazing work. You just kind of have to keep an eye on them. You never know when they might get thirsty. With Malakir Rebirth, one black, instant, choose target creature. You lose two life. Until the end of turn, this creature gains. Whenever this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. And then it flips into Malakir's Mire. Malakir Mire. Enters the battlefield tap, adds to, taps to add a black. Hagramalling, two black black, instant. This spell costs one less to cast if an opponent controls no basic lands. Destroy target creature. And it flips into Hagrid Brood Pit. Enters the battlefield tap. Taps to add a black. We could be facing down the green water in a Marasa on the continent of Marasa. Four, green, green, five, four. When it enters the battlefield, you may return target creature. You may return target card from your graveyard to your hand. When it dies, you may exile it. If you do, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. We could be one of the few expeditions that make their way to Amiria. Amiria's call. Four, white, white, white. Sorcery. Create two, four, four, white, angel warrior creature tokens with flying non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn flips into Amiria, shattered skyclave enters the battlefield tapped unless you pay three life and taps to add a white i heard balagid is really starting to recover in balagid's recovery two green sorcery return target card from your graveyard to your hand taps to flip side is balagid sanctuary Enters the battlefield tap, taps to add a green. 
I don't think I'm ready for Argentum's Awakening. Argentum's Awakening? X, black, 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 sorcery. Return from your graveyard to the battlefield. Any number of target creatures that each have a different converted mana cost, X or less. And then flip side is Argentum the Undercrypt. Enters the battlefield tap unless you pay three life. Taps to add a black. Why don't we go over some of the classes that we're going to have to look for? Maybe we can get some of them to join up with us. In the cleric group, we'd be really lucky to have Angel of Destiny. Three white, white, two, six, flying double strike. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you and that player each gain that much life. At the beginning of your end step, if you have 15 life more than your starting life total, each player, Angel of Destiny attack this turn, loses the game. We'll probably never even get to meet Drana the Last Blood Chief. Three black black, four four flying, legendary, vampire cleric. When Drana the Last Blood Chief attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature card in your graveyard. You return that card to the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it. That creature is a vampire in addition to its other type. We could always find a giver of runes. One white, one two, core cleric, tap. Another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn. We could team up with some of the Hedron Field purists. Two and a white. Human cleric has the level up ability. So two and a white. It starts out as a zero three. You can pay two and a white to put a level counter on the creature. At its first level, it's a one four. If a source would deal damage to you or a creature you control, prevent one of that damage. At level 5, so level 1 through 4 is that. At level 5, it becomes a 2-5. If a source would deal damage to you or a creature you control, prevent 2 of that damage. Now this will be the first instance we're running into somebody that's an ally. And a little bit of information about what the allies were. Think of them more nowadays as veterans of the great wars that were happening. They're groups of veterans that fought together and really learned from each other. So now when they come in as a group, they actually give the entire group abilities that'll help us. It's good to learn from experience. So our first ally here is Cabrin Evangel, two and a white, two three. When it enters the battlefield or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may choose a color. If you do, allies you control gain protection from the chosen color until end of turn. Like I was talking about, we do have some of these vampires. So we do have Malkir's Blood Priest, one in a black, two one, vampire cleric, Whenever, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is the number of creatures in your party. So this is the first time we're seeing the party mechanic. So this is why it's so important to get a well-rounded group that we're trying to find here. So a party consists of up to one of each, cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. So we'll have two of them covered, so, but we not, now have to try and figure out the other two that we want. It's okay if we double up on some of them. But for us to have the party mechanic, and for us to get the party benefits, we're going to have to have one of each. Null Priest of Oblivion. Now this one is a little scary, but I would rather have her on my side than on a competing expeditionary force. One in a black, two one, Kicker. Now Kicker is a kicker is a little bit more if we want a little bit more out of her. Three in a black, Menace, Lifelink. When Null Priest of Oblivion enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Vampire Cleric. So those are all the clerics that we have to choose from. Let's move on to the rogues. So you always need somebody to be able to get in where you just can. We have Black Bloom Rogue, two and a black, two, three. 
Menace, Human Rogue. Black Bloom Rogue gets plus three plus three as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And she flips into Black Bloom Bog. Enters the battlefield tap, adds a black. We have Glass Pool Mimic, two and a blue. Zero, zero, Shapeshifter Rogue. You may have Glasspool Mimic enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature you control, except it's a Shapeshifter Rogue in addition to its other types. And then they flip into Glasspool Shores. Enters the battlefield tap, add a blue. It's always good to have somebody that can find traps in Nimble Trap Finder. One in a blue, Human Rogue. Nimble Trap Finder can't be blocked if you have another... Cleric, Rogue, Warrior, or Wizard enter the battlefield under your control this turn. At the beginning of your combat on your turn, if you have a full party, creatures you control gain whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card until end of turn. And he's a 2-1 Human Rogue. We could have this legendary person join us along the way, as long as we're high enough level for them. Adel Acquisitor. One blue blue legendary creature merfolk rogue island walk 2-2. When it deals combat damage to a player, search that player's library for an artifact card and exile it. Then that player shuffles his or her library. Until end of turn, you may play that card. Who says you can't use a thief? Thieving skydiver. One in a blue. Kicker X. X can't be zero. Flying. Whenever Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. If the artifact is in equipment, attach it to Thieving Skydiver. They are a 2-1. Now, I don't know about this one if I'd really want him to be on my party. Just listen to his name. Zagris, Thief of Heartbeats. 4, Black, Red. Legendary Creature, Vampire, Rogue. This spell costs 1 less for each creature in your party. Flying Death Touch Haste. Other creatures you control have Death Touch. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a Planeswalker, destroy that Planeswalker, and he's a 4-4. Or we could have Zerasan, the Trickster. Three blue-black legendary creature Merfolk Rogue, 4-4, Flash, has the activated ability. Two blue-black, return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. Put him into play tapped and attacking from your hand. With Zerasan, deals combat damage... To a player, you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. And then our last rogue is Zulaport Cutthroat. One one in a black, human rogue ally. When Zulaport Cutthroat or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. He's a 1-1. Now to move on to the warriors. Now this is one we hopefully won't meet along the way, because I heard a lot of bad things about him. Kalitas, traitor of Get. 2, Black, Black, 3, 4, Vampire, Warrior, Lifelink, he's a legendary creature as well. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile that card and put a 2-2 Black Zombie creature token into play. Pay 2 and a Black, sacrifice another Vampire or Zombie, put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on Kalidas. Kazul Warlord, we have another veteran. Here in the form of a Minotaur, Warrior, Ally, 4 and a red, 3-3. Three, three. When Kazul or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on each ally you control. Man, they're really coming at us with these Minotaur. With Morag, Fury of Akum, 4, red, red, 6-6, six, six, Legendary Minotaur Warrior. Each creature you control gets plus one, plus oh for each time it's attacked this turn. Landfall. 
Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of the combat, untap all creatures you control. And then we have one of our first goblins in Reckless Bushwhacker. Two in a red, goblin warrior ally, Surge. Surge is one in a red. You may cast this spell for its surge cost if you or a teammate has cast another spell this turn. It has haste. Whenever it enters the battlefield under your control, if the surge cost was paid, other creatures you control get plus one, plus O, and gain haste until end of turn. It is a 2-1. And then our last warrior in Squad Commander. Three and a white. 3-3. Three, three. Core Warrior. When Squad Commander enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 white core warrior creature token for each creature in your party. At the beginning of your combat turn... If you have a full party, creatures you control get plus one, plus O, and have indestructible until end of turn. And now for the last party members, our wizards. Starting with Echoing Mage. One blue blue, human wizard, level up ability, one in a blue. Starts out as a two three. On the second level, it has tap blue blue and tap it. Copy target instant or sorcery. You may choose a new target for the copy. At level four, it becomes a two five. Tap blue, blue, tap it, copy target instant or sorcery twice. You may choose a new target for the copies. Or we could have Lighthouse Chronologist. One in a blue, human wizard, level up a single blue. Starts as a 1-3. Level 4 through 6, it's a 2-4. Level 7, at the beginning of each end step, if it's not your turn, take an extra turn after this turn. I doubt we'll be able to get her onto our full party, but you never know. She sometimes does help random adventuring groups. Linvala, Shield of Seagate, one white blue, three, three, angel wizard, legendary creature, flying. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, choose target non-land permanent and opponent controls until your next turn. It cannot attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Sacrifice Linvala, Choose Hexproof or Indestructible. Creatures you control gain that ability until end of turn. We can always pick up a Reflector Mage. One, white, blue. Two, three. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. That creature's owner cannot cast spells with the same name as that creature until end of your next turn. And then our last wizard in Seagate Loremaster. Four and a blue. Creature. Merfolk. Wizard. Ally. Tap, draw a card for each ally you control, and they are a 1-3. We'll have to pick from some of those groups to round out our party. But there are a few more people we could probably pick up along the way in an ally section. So these are some of the veterans I was talking about. There's Beast Caller Servant, 1 in a green, 1-1, one, one, Haste, Elf Shaman Ally. Tap, add 1 mana of any color to your mana pool, spend this mana only to cast creature spells. Or we can convince Harabad's Druid to join us. One in a green, zero one, human druid ally. Tap, add X mana to your mana pool, where X is the number of allies you control. Fearsome hero of Gomafada, four in a white, human knight ally. Rally, whenever hero of Gomafada or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn, and they are a four three. A Draga tree speaker. Green, Elf Druid, level up, one in a green, one one, level one through four, 
They tap to add two green to their mana pool, to your mana pool. One, two. Level five, elves you control. Elves you control have tap, add two green to your mana pool. Lantern scout, two and a white. Human scout ally, rally. Whenever lantern scout or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. Three, two. Tuck Tuck Scrapper, our second goblin. Three and a red. 2-2, two, two. Goblin, Artificer, Ally. When Tuk Tuk Scrapper or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may destroy target artifact. If that artifact is put into the graveyard this way, Tuk Tuk Scrapper deals that much damage to that artifact's controller equal to the number of allies you control. And then our last ally, Intern Timber Ranger. 3 green green, 2-2, two, two, Elf Scout, Ally. When Turn Timber Ranger or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a 2-2 green wolf creature token into the battlefield. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on Turn Timber Ranger. Here, why don't we look at some of the quests that we're going to be going on? Maybe that'll kind of help us decide who we're going to be choosing for our group. So there's always the Beastmaster's Ascension, two and a green enchantment. Whenever a creature you control attacks, you may put a Quest counter on Beastmaster Ascension. As long as Beastmaster Ascension has seven or more quest counters on it, creatures you control get plus five, plus five. There's Kaliheart Expedition, one in a green, enchantment, landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a quest counter on Kaliheart Expedition. Remove three quest counters from Kaliheart Expedition, sacrifice it, search your library for up to two basic lands, put them into the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. There's Quest for Pure Flame. One red enchantment. Whenever a source you control deals damage to an opponent, you may put a quest counter on Quest for Pure Flame. Remove four quest counters from Quest for Pure Flame. Sacrifice it. If a source you control would deal damage to a creature or a player this turn, it deals double that much damage to target creature or player instead. There's the quest for renewal. One in a green enchantment. Whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, you may put a quest counter on quest for renewal as long as there are four or more quest counters on quest for renewal renewal untap all creatures you control during other players untap steps and then our last quest that we have available for the moment is quest of the grave lord one black enchantment whenever a creature dies you may put a quest counter on quest for the grave lord remove three quest counters from quest for the grave lord grave lord and sacrifice it create a five five zombie giant creature token or we could just stay at the training grounds. One blue. Activated abilities of creatures you control cost up to two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the amount of mana and abilities cost to activate to less than one. There's some big things that have happened in this world before. We might end up running into them, such as the Eldrazi Monument. Five mana artifact. Creatures you control get plus one plus one and have flying and indestructible. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. If you can't, sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. Or I've heard this one place where they went in and the Hedron literally exploded in Perilous Vaults. Four mana artifact. Five tap. Exile Perilous Vaults. Exile all non-land permanents. And then what I'd really like to get out there and do is see Zendikar Resurgence. 5 green green enchantment. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add 1 mana to your mana pool 
of any type that mana that land produced whenever you cast a creature spell draw a card i know i'm gonna have to be working on some more of my spells things like coveted prize four and a black sorcery this spell costs one less for each creature in your party search your library for a card put it into your hand then shuffle your library if you have a full party you may cast a spell with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. We'll have to find somebody that can nature's claim. One green, instant, destroy target artifact or enchantment, its controller gains four life. I'm sure we'll run into some painful truths. Two in a black, sorcery, converge. You may draw X cards and lose X life, where X is the number of colored mana you spent to cast this spell. Of course, we're always going to be gathering spoils of adventures. Four, white, blue, instant. This spell costs one less for each creature in your party. You gain three life and draw three cards. And then I think we're all hoping to thwart the grave. Four, black, black, sorcery. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Return target creature card and up to one target cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Now for a few of the relics that we're going to be seeking. Chromatic lantern, three mana, artifact, Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and then it taps to add one color of any color to your mana pool. Coalition Relic, three mana, artifact, tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, tap to put a charge counter on Coalition Relic. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, remove all charge counters from Coalition Relic, add one mana of any color to your mana pool for each charge counter removed this way. Or we could run into an ever-flowing chalice, zero mana artifact, multi-kicker. You may pay an additional two mana any number of times to cast this spell. Ever-flowing chalice enters the battlefield with a charge counter for each time it was kicked. Tap to add colorless equal to the number of charge counters on it. Or we could get a soul ring, one colorless artifact, taps to add two colors to your mana pool. Skyclave Relics are something that we're going to be looking for now, too. Three mana, Artifact, Kicker 3, Indestructible. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create two tapped token copies of Skyclave Relic. Tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Or a Seer's Lantern. Three mana, Artifact, Tap, add one colorless to your mana pool. Tap two, and it, Scry 1. And then we have a few things to help us get through some of our adventures. We'll have Captain's Claws, two, two mana, artifact, equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus O. Oh. Whenever equipped creature attacks, put a 1-1 one, one core ally creature token onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. It equips for one. Or we could have the Sword of the Animist. Two mana, legendary, artifact, equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. Whenever equipped creature attacks... You may search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. It equips for two. And then I doubt we'll run into any of them because I'm fairly certain they were all destroyed. But you never know when you could run into some Eldrazi and we could have another world at war. Three red red sorcery. After the first pre-combat main phase this turn, there is an additional combat followed by an additional main phase. At the end of the combat, untap all creatures all creatures that attack this turn, and it has rebound. If this spell was cast from your hand, exile it as it resolves. At the beginning 
of your next upkeep, you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost. Now for some of the sites that we're going to be seeing along the way. We could run into a blood crypt, a breeding pool, a canopy vista, a cascading bluffs, cinder glades, maybe a forbidden orchard, the godless shrine, the hollowed fountains. I've even heard of core havens all around the land. Mana confluence, overgrown tombs, sacred foundries, smoldering marshes, steam vents, stomping grounds, sunken ruins, sunken hollows, temple gardens, and watery graves. So, have you figured out who we want in our group? What quests we want to take? All right, sweet. Then let's get going. We gotta find those people before everybody takes them. Having found your way into an expeditionary house and a group of people to share the road and the dangers with, you make your way on your first mission. What riches and adventure await you? It's time for you to find out. You find yourself just outside of the Emerius Sky Ruin Skyclave. After finally making your way through those months of perilous adventuring, you and the rest of your group bunker down for the night before entering into the unknown that awaits you inside the Skyclave. While in the camp, the leader of your expeditionary force sits you all down to strategize what the plan will be for tomorrow's deep dive into the Skyclave. Alright everybody, settle down, settle down. I know we made it through that pack of geopedes and just avoided the chasm filled with scoop bugs, but those were the easy parts. Now comes the time when we're going to be handling some of the more dangerous aspects of the job, dealing with other expeditionary houses. At the moment, it might seem like we're the only ones that have made it here so far, but these ruins have already been explored, which means other expeditionary houses will have a better idea of what's going on inside there. For us, this will be the first time. They may have set up traps already for us, the ancient core may have set up traps for us, and dealing with other houses can sometimes end badly. So we have to be ready to fight. What we're equipped with on our expedition so far is plenty of support. We already have around 10 different types of gear that will help us go into the later part of our expedition in the forms of the soul ring relic that we picked up, rampant growths that some of our mages can, can whip up if we need some help from the surrounding material, the ever-flowing chalice that we have, chromatic lantern to help us fix the mana that any of our casters will need. We also have to remember that if we need to, we shouldn't be afraid to use some of our spells strictly to summon mana. If we need to use Amiria's call for the mana instead of being able to summon our allies that we've met along the way, the 4-4 angels, then that's just something we'll have to do in the early part of the expedition. And any of the different spells that are also able to allow us to get mana are sometimes better to just be used late in the expedition when they might not be of any use if we can't make our way there. Remember, we always do work stronger as a team, as we've noticed in these past few months. 
with the spoils of adventure, being able to reduce the cost on that spell can really help us get ahead. So it might sometimes be worth it to wait for at least a few of our allies to be with us when we're exploring the caves tomorrow. We're really relying on each person's own skill to carry us through each part of the battle with so many diverse abilities and spells, it really becomes which of us is best in the situation. Sometimes we'll be able to go wide and pull on more allies, and then sometimes we'll have to sneak through damage and steal from what our opponents have. That's where Glass Pool Mimic comes into play. If we can get Thada being able to steal some of the other things that the Expeditionary Houses have, or Thieving Skydiver to take away that important relic of theirs. Other times we can use the Lord abilities that some of our allies also have. Thief of Heartbeats being able to allow us to kill anything that stands in our way. Or Squad Commander, creating another 1-1 core warrior to aid us in our battle. But don't try to wait for a full party sometimes, because we might not be able to get to you. Some of the veteran allies that are still in our group will also be able to help each other, being able to work better within each other's company. A lot of synergy within the group relies on each individual pulling their own weight, in the sense with our wizard Echo Mage, Lighthouse Chronologist, and Limvala Shield of the Gate of Seagate. Tazari Beacon of Unity will always be able to come out and help us refill our hands, and we can reduce her cost to bring her in just for each of us being out. I really see us being more of a value team than anything else, eking out small pieces where we can. If there's no more questions... We're evenly spread between all five forms of the mana here. So we're going to have to find the mana bases as we go along to support each and every one of us. We do have access to mana confluence and forbidden orchard, allowing us to produce any of the color of manas that you might need as we go through. If there's no more questions, then I would have you all lay down for the night and I will stand first guard. What will happen inside the Skyclave tomorrow? Will you be ready? Do you have everything you need? Those are brief summaries that the commander gave to you. Not really objectives, but more of a game plan to help others survive their way through it. Will you? Having finally finished your adventure, making your way back to Seagate, you realize you hope you learned a lot and that working with your allies was really what brought you through. You may have picked up a few relics, a few scars, but now is the time to collect your reward and see how much this mission really costed you. Oh, adventurer, you're back. Oh, that's good. Oh, so I see you've completed everything that you needed to. And all your fingers still. Isn't that wonderful? Now, all that gear you've needed. Yes, it's time to pay up. Of course we take relics. Well, let's see. What were some of the most expensive things that we've had for you? Don't worry about all the mana sources in the lands. They're much cheaper than you would think. These are really just the expedition forms of the mana. The three most expensive things, as always, are the training grounds, the time we've taken to bring you through, coming in at around $50. 
Yes, I know. There are different alternatives. You don't have to play this. But it really helped when Tazari was here that you were able to help her out. The next most expensive thing would have been that minotaur you found from Akum. He's coming in at around $12 for you to have acquired his aid. He, I think, is a little more important that you pay up for him now. And then the third most expensive thing is that chromatic lantern. Well, it did come in handy, and it did allow you to do most of the things you needed to do, so I would suggest you paying for that one. Everything else comes in fairly cheap, so I'm sure all you have to do is a few more missions, and you'll have everything paid off, and you'll be allowed to keep everything that you collect. But for now, I'm going to have to take, hmm, 75% of the things that you've brought back. And don't try hiding anything. The commander is at the very least an honest man and has inventoried everything that he could. Luz, why would you want to live in a world where people laugh at you? It is beautiful here. Luz! And you guys think I'm special. No! But it's not real! I am a witch's apprentice. I'm gonna earn my magic staff the hard way. I believed you, magic man. Now feel my wrath! So, I just wanted to say thank you for putting up with this. Uh, it's kind of a new thing that I'm doing. I was hoping that every time a new set comes out, I can do something similar to this. Uh, it's gonna take me a little while to edit it, because obviously there's a lot of starts and stops. The I'm hoping to get another episode out soon after this one that's fall-themed. I might start recording it in a few minutes, but we'll see. So I just wanted to say thank you again. If you have any questions, concerns, if you really liked the way I did this, if you really didn't like the way I did this, that's fine. You can tweet at me at WolfieMTG on Twitter, or you can email me at wolfystar12 at gmail.com. I had a great time recording this. I had a crazy time trying to figure out all the voices and everything like that. I might not be great at changing my voice, so they all might sound the exact same with a weird inflection. Uh, but I love doing it for you. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully at some point I can get a guest on. Not a guest on, a guest on. Or a guest on. If there's a guy out there that's muscular and wants to record with me, why not? And wants to build a fairy tale themed deck. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, thank you so much. I hope I can hear from you soon. It was great talking to you all, and goodbye. So Finn and Jake set out to find a new home. It's gonna be tough. Her kid and her dog on their own. Find something inside like a mean cloud man and his beautiful cloud bride. A beehive, oh no, oh, don't.